Welcome to the Undisputed Politics Podcast. A young activist, Robert is coming to you from a small town in the Mississippi Delta, Greenwood, Mississippi. He started this podcast to share raw, unfiltered views on issues affecting black and brown communities around the country. From D.C. to Hollywood, Robert is bringing you the funk with his thoughts on the latest in pop culture and political news. So, buckle up and join us on this ride. Feel free to join Robert in the conversations on Twitter and listen to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all other major streaming platforms. Welcome back to another episode of Undisputed Politics with Robert Wilson Jr. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the Crown Act. Um, the Crown Act has been passed in the United States House of Representatives. Now, I'll be sharing my thoughts on hair discrimination and my personal experience with hair discrimination and why the Crown Act is important. Also, on today's episode, we'll be discussing Katanji Brown Jackson's Supreme Court nomination hearing. The hearing has been going on, and I'm going to share my thoughts on all of the things that are going on with the trial and some of the crazy outlandish things that the Republican Party is trying to put out there about Judge Brown Jackson. And also on today's episode, we'll be giving an update on the Brittany Griner case, and I'll be sharing my thoughts on what has happened and what has transpired since the last update I gave you guys on the Brittany Griner case. And I'll also be ending the show today with a special topic um, that I'm going to start doing each episode. So stay tuned and let's get into today's episode. Okay, you guys, um, welcome back to another episode again. Um, before we get into today's topics on the Undisputed Politics, I want to address a few things regarding myself, who I am, and this podcast, and the reason why I do the work that I do. Um, a lot of my listeners are people who don't live in my hometown, are people who don't necessarily, you know, know me personally. And I want to have this conversation about um, living in the Mississippi Delta and being someone of my particular caliber. Um, for most of the people who don't know me, I am an LGBTQ young man. Um, I'm gay. Um, I came out in middle school to my friends and later a lot of things happened with me and I'll give my, I'll kind of have an episode about my coming out story this, this particular season. Um, but I came out in middle school, um, and during that time, I went through a lot of different emotions and different things like that. Um, but I've also been involved in activism and political work and different things like that since high school. I want to address this particularly because over the last week, um, there were a few things that kind of bothered me when it comes down to my podcast. When I started this podcast, the goal for me personally, on a personal level, was so that I could prove the people who said that I couldn't do it wrong. Um, This is the fourth season of my podcast. Um, Seasons one through three, um, there were different names for the season. And so I have removed them off of of all of the platforms and different things like that. Um, Some of the episodes are available on Facebook. But I have removed episodes and different things like that because I eventually I'm going to 
release them as bonus episodes and different things like that. Due to the fact of them being different names, um, um, at one point it was the Black Perspective podcast. I mean, at one point it was the Robert Wilson show. Um, but I finally settled with the Undisputed Politics, um, just for the branding purposes. Um, but all three, all three shows pretty much encompassed the same thing, which was me sharing my unfiltered, raw views on different things affecting Black and Brown people in America. The reason I'm stating this is because, as I started off with, a lot of the people who listen to my podcast aren't from my hometown. And this is something that bothered me when I first started my podcast. Um, Because for me, I'm someone who's very opinionated. Um, I'm self-educated on a lot of the things that I do talk about, um, particularly when it comes to politics and and different policies and things like that. These are the issues that I have self-educated myself on. And um, when it comes down to black issues, these are issues that I'm experiencing daily um, as a black gay man living in the Mississippi Delta. Um, and so when I share my views, I'm sharing them from the perspective of things that I have self-educated myself on and things that I sometimes may need to grow or may need to learn about. And I am I'm saying this because I ask my listeners to grow with me. I'm asking my listeners to educate me. If there's if there's a topic and I share an opinion um that you think I may need a little bit more education on or you may not agree necessarily with um what I said or anything like that. I encourage the conversation. Send me a DM on Twitter. Um, at me on Twitter. Um, my email is on my website. Um, a lot of my contact information is out there. So contact me. Have these discussions with me. And I'm always open to listening and learning. Um, because I don't know everything. Now, I get I get heated. I have very heated discussions. And I share my opinions in a very heated fashion. Um, a lot of people um, question my faith because a lot of people say that, oh, you claim to believe in God and you claim to be a Christian and, and you're religious and all of these things, but you're on your podcast cursing and saying profane language. And that's just who I am because I grew up in an environment where the best way to get your point across was to yell. The best way to get your point across was to have passionate speak and it's not something I'm changing because I'm not going to change myself and so I encourage people to engage with me and to come along on my journey with this podcast um and the people who um listen every week and the people who share it on social medias I thank you I truly thank you because one of the original I alluded to it at the beginning, but I didn't really get into it. But one of the original goals for me personally with this show is to prove people wrong. See, I dropped out of college, and I, this is a story that I, a lot of people don't know. Um, when I left high school, I graduated in the top 25% of my class. Uh, I was an undergraduate. I at the time, 
I wasn't putting my best foot forward when it came to education because I necessarily wasn't interested in education. Um, but the 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 school system that I was in prepared me so well to the point where I did graduate high school with honors. Um, I was a part of a lot, um, multiple different leadership groups in high school and different things like that. So I graduated with a lot of good accolades, and I went to college. And when I got to college, one of the things um, with college, I was so in so much interested in helping people and doing activism work and being involved and and things like that that school never it wasn't interesting to me and so I would skip class and I would not go to class and and my freshman year was in 2016 during the the election time and so when Hillary Clinton lost the election it was my first election being actively involved to the point where I was depressed I was upset it hurt me that I had done so much work so much passionate talking with people and to 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 figure that there would be so many people who would actually go out to the polls and elect Donald Trump. I became depressed. And I remember after the election, I, it was one week where I just went a whole week and I didn't go to class. And I laid in my bed in my dorm room and I just cried and I was just upset because I, I was uncertain that someone like Donald Trump, who was homophobic, transphobic um uh, someone who was a sexual who had been accused of being a sexual predator um someone who had such such terrible comments about women and immigrants and different things like that it, it just left me with so much uncertainty that i became depressed and so it led me to not to leave college and when i dropped out of college um when I dropped out, it kind of, it, it, it didn't necessarily hurt me as much as I would say, because I have gone back and tried doing college again. And as I've gone back over the last few years and tried college out again, I've learned that it's not for me. And I have a passion for communications. And one of the things that when I was in college, one of the passions I had when I was in college was communications. And as I was sitting in a lot of the communications classes, I realized that I don't need a degree to do the work that I want to do. Sometimes um, experience is the best teacher. And I'm a person who likes hands-on learning. And a lot of the times college isn't hands-on. A lot of it is reading. A lot of it is, and I do, I read a lot, you know, as I'm self-educating myself and different things like that. But a lot of it is experience. And so in this communication space, I've had a job working on a political campaign as a senior communications person within the campaign. I've had jobs where I've volunteered and and I've been the communications director and the social media director. I've done those things. And I've done those things without the degree. And so... My personal goal one day is to end up on your televisions. This doesn't have to be on CNN. I could go to Roland Martin Unfiltered because I want to be a voice for black LGBTQ people in Mississippi, in the Mississippi Delta, in the South.
who grew up like me, who don't didn't have the the most supportive parents. And I want to share my story and I want to share the story of people like me. And that's why this this podcast is so important to me. And I th- like I said, I thank you guys so much for the support that you guys give. And I'm I look so I look I just look forward to each and every episode. And I wanted to share this because there have been people in my hometown who don't listen. There have been people who uh, uh, so who are in circles with me who don't understand the purpose of this podcast who say I need to go back to school and get a degree who say you're wasting your time and I think that those people don't understand the importance of what I do the importance of the opinions that I share the importance of the the education that I give to people who listen to this podcast and there are things that I might bring up that I may educate you on that you don't know and so I'm thankful for that. And I'm looking forward to continuing to grow the podcast. Um, over the last three seasons, I've had issues with being consistent. And this year, I'm really focused on being consistent. I'm aiming with giving you guys 25 episodes in the first quarter. And then um, the next quarter of the year, which would be um, in the going into the fall and the winter of the year i'll give you guys another 25 episodes so we'll probably take a break sometime around about um around about august or um going into september and i'll probably take a little break right there and kind of you know pull things back and kind of rein things in and kind of look at different things um and we may not give you i may not give you 25 episodes it may end up being 15 or something like that um but the go i want to make this podcast something where i'm giving you guys consistent education consistent viewpoints and consistent conversations on topics that are affecting black and brown people and from my perspective in coming from a young activist in the Mississippi Delta. So um, I just, like I said, I just want to share that with you guys. And I hope that you continue to support the podcast and continue sharing it and continue spreading it all across the world. Um, we're, I have listeners in seven different countries and and, and I had over 3,000 streams um, since I started this podcast back in 2020. So I thank you guys for that. Um. We're going to go ahead and jump right into today's topics. Um, the first topic, like I said, we will be discussing the Crown Act that has passed the United States House of Representatives. And so we'll go ahead and jump right into that after this quick little break I have for you guys. Madam Speaker. I rise in strong support of the Crown Act, which will move us one step closer to ending the centuries of discrimination against black hair. Discrimination which has rejected the dignity and beauty of my people. From personnel handbooks to school dress code policies, afros, locks, and twists have been codified as proxies for our black skin and manifestations of anti-black racism. Many, especially black women, grow up hearing that our natural coils and kinks are distracting, ghetto, ugly, and unprofessional. From as early as grade school, black girls are pushed out of school for wearing their hair naturally. And as we grow up, we are taught to straighten our hair if we want to get a job or simply to live our lives in peace. When I first joined Congress, I proudly chose to wear my hair in Senegalese twists because I sought to intentionally create space for all of us to show up in the world as our authentic selves. Today, I navigate the world a little differently. 
My beautiful twists were taken from me due to the autoimmune disease known as alopecia universalis. But today, I stand in honor of those who don crowns of all types. May they continue to shine. Thank you. I yield. Okay, the United States House of Representatives has passed the Crown Act. Um, the Crown Act is a bill that will pretty much um end hair discrimination. Um, for people who don't know, um, there are a lot of states who who allow who pretty much have laws on the book that allow for hair discrimination. Um, if you tuned in on social media, if you've seen over the last couple of years, um, there have been, there have been issues with, um, young people who can't, issues with um young people who can't who who have a lot just a lot of different issues there have been issues with young people who who are being forced to not participate in their graduations um athletes who are being told to cut their hair but in particular sports um um people who are getting fired from their jobs and mostly these people are african american of african american descent and so the reason why this is important is because I want to get into the topic of the topic of your hair does not define you. Your hair does not define you. The reason why The reason why this is important and this is a conversation I want to have is because a lot of people, it's something that I've experienced. And like I've said before, when we discuss things on this podcast, it's things that normally I've experienced or I've self-educated myself on. This is a particular topic I feel like I have experience in because I have stories of discrimination and things like that regarding my hair um i am i am in since high school um and before i just before i go into this um the crown act passed um 235 to 189 in the united states house um, and it's headed to the Senate. But, and, and um, um, Ayanna Presley, um, she said on the House floor when it, when it was passed, for too long, black girls have been discriminated against and criminalized for the hair that grows on our heads and the way we move through and show up in this world. And for people who don't know, Representative Ayanna Presley from Massachusetts. She has alopecia and um, pretty much um, all of her hair has shed and she wears wigs and different things like that. But when she got to Congress, um, she wore braids and different things like that. Um, 
and a, a lot of that was a, a big part of you know her representation um being a representation of black girls with young with you know natural hair and different things but back to what i was saying um i um i have natural hair and uh, what i'm saying but um you may say okay you're man um but what i mean by that is i have um and what a lot of people consider the nappy fro and it's it is popular among younger people in this particular generation in day and age but a lot of older people i've received criticism from and a lot of the criticism is that um well you know it's not really a um it's not a good look it's not professional um different things like that and there have been times where i've done things to kind of spruce it up a little bit with two stranded twists and different things like that and the issue the, the issue that i have with this is that my hair does not define me and see i've had a few job interviews where i've sat in the interview and i've seen how the interview is looking at me when he see me with my hair the first thing he assumes is i must be some type of hood nigga i must be some type of hood boy a thug and i don't have anything against the hood boys the hood niggas the thugs because a lot of times these men are fathers black fathers a lot of times these men are in the streets selling drugs and different things like that to support their families and because they have to be in the streets they have to be selling these drugs and different things to support their families one because when you look about when you think about minimum wage they go work at a regular job they can't even support their families versus they can go make hundreds of dollars a day working selling their drugs and different things and so i'm not necessarily saying oh i'm for you know the hood niggas being able to go out and just do whatever the fuck they want to do because i definitely believe that you know there are a lot of different things that um uh, drug wars and different things like that within our community that needs to stop and that needs to be ended but at the same time i understand why black men in particularly are engaged in these particular activities because they have to it's a product of the circumstances that they are put in because of the lack of resources the lack of you know financial help and um economic issues um housing disparities and a host of different things education a lot of different things that cause these men to have to be engaged in a part of these particular things and so i get it and i understand it now when i'm speaking about my experience as it relates to the crown act and the hair discrimination based on and it's and like i said it's pretty much based on race because a lot of these instances are happening with black people black people even hispanic people a, a, a few times and a lot of it is based on the white society's view of hair.
if your hair isn't slick, is it if it isn't shiny, if it doesn't look beautiful and voluptuous and blonde, it's not good enough. It's not professional. Women with dreads, men with dreadlocks. They they say it's not professional. But my hair does not define me. See, my hair can be all over my head. There are days when I wake up and I might not even put a little oil in my hair. I might just go out as natural as can be. Hair can be sideways, upside down, in any type of way. But that doesn't change the character of the person that I am. I like to help people. I like to have good attitudes for the most part. A lot of people, there are people who say I have a, a bad attitude and that's fine. I don't have to deal with you. I like to support and I like to love on my elderly people and those, you know, that are much older than me because I like to take in the knowledge that they give me. That's the type of person I am. People who know me personally know that that's the type of person I am. And there are many people out there who are just like me, who have this particular character, who have a good heart, who have a good, who is passionate about people, who is community oriented and have the views and the values of being a good person. But because we have our hair a certain way, But because we live out loud with our hair and we're not afraid to be who we are, people don't like that. See, there are people, and I addressed this at the beginning of the show, who don't like the fact that I curse on this. They don't like the fact that I use profanity and the fact that I go to church and the fact that I will praise the Lord one hour. In the next hour, if you piss me off or there's an issue that I feel passionate about, I'll cuss your ass out. There are people who don't like that. There are people who says that that's unprofessional. But it's me. And the people who who are close to me know that I have good character and they know that I mean well. And so that is why I say my hair does not define me and your hair does not define you see i want to encourage people when i'm talking about this particular topic to live out loud especially young black men because this conversation has centered a lot around young black women and that and and i and i understand and i get that as well and i and i want young black people young black women to feel the same way that i'm i'm encouraging young black men right now but i really want this conversation and this topic right now to be centered at black young black men because in 20, around about 2015 2016 when i first started my natural hair um you know having the nappy hairstyle and different things like that. It was really popular during that time. A lot of young black men were being told the same thing I was being told. It's unprofessional. You need to cut your hair. It doesn't look good. 
You shouldn't you shouldn't wear your hair like that. Nobody's going to take you serious like that. And to be clear, since I've started wearing my hair like this, I have ran for public office in 2017. I have been on numerous television interviews. I have been on numerous I've been in featured in numerous political articles. I have done several interviews on different social platforms. I've met with political leaders. And so my story is the perfect example of being young and understanding that my hair does not define me. And that is the that is what I want to encourage young people to understand. Your hair does not define you. Young women, your braids, your locks does not define you. Your natural afro does not define you. Young men, your twist, your locks, your nappy afro does not define you. Your short haircut with waves, it does not define you. It is not a character, it is not a a a critique on the type of character you may have. It is not it is it is not a standard for your values. Because see, some of the people with the most slickest hair, some of the people with the most nice voluptuous blonde hair are the same people who have oppressed our people for 400 plus years. The same people who have implemented political policies, economic policies that have inundated our communities with poverty, lack of housing, health care disparities. See these, these people who want to sit up and criticize us and say our hair is ugly, talk about our hair being this and being that and unprofessional and this and that and all of the things, are the same people, the same people who can get on the Supreme Court without having the relevant experience as Kachanji Brown-Jackson. These are the same people who can avoid who can avoid literally avoid being in the military like Donald Trump and having to go to war and saying things like they have bone spurs. These are the same people who are committing the same type of crimes that we commit, yet it's not as prevalent in their communities because they have the better resources. Their kids are going to schools where they are learning the the resources to be able to to be able to address their mental health concerns. Their children are going to schools where they are getting the relevant experience and being able to see the world and are learning with good technology. Their children aren't going to schools and different things and having to come home and live in poverty-stricken, violence-stricken neighborhoods like our people. 
And yet, these are the same people who have an opinion on our hair. The same people who want to talk about Elvis Presley. And want to make him the center of music that we started. Our people started. The same people who want to wear, they, they, they will gladly go get their hair put in cornrows. They will gladly try to go lock their hair up and wear wig, nice, pretty wigs. These are the same people who like to appropriate our culture, who like to steal our music. The same people who are stealing black TikTokers' dances and, and the content that black TikTokers are creating on TikTok and, and changing it and making it their own and going on to be on TV shows and things like that while black content creators are sitting on TikTok demanding that TikTok give them the credit that they deserve. Yet, they want to talk about our hair. They want to appropriate our hair. And so, hear me clearly, if you're young and you're listening to this episode and you listen to this show, your hair does not define you. Be who you are and continue being who you are. Soar high. And this particular law, once it is passed, if it passes the Senate, I, I can't wait. For the amount of relief that it will bring to African-American young people. Like I said, there have been cases of young people not being able to participate in their graduations. There have been incidents of young people not being able to participate in certain sports. Young people ending up having to cut their hair. There was a young man back here, back here not too long ago. And the young man had to cut his hair at the wrestling match just to participate in the wrestling match. I mean, come on now. Putting young people through that type of trauma? But it's not nothing that that America's not used to because black people go black black youth and black black young adults go through trauma every single day. Been going through it every single day for 400 plus years. And so it's it's nothing new. But this is 2022 and things are changing and things are looking up. And so I encourage people to get to call their senators. Um, if you're in Mississippi, you need to be getting on Senator Hyde Smith and 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 our senators. Um, we already know um, how the vote went down for Mississippi senators or whatever when it comes down to the vote. Um in the house, um, well, you know, Benny Thompson did what he needed to do per usual, um, but you know how the rest of them voted. Um, but just, I encourage everybody to call their senators, um, make sure if we had to put pressure on Cinema and Mansion to get this bill passed in the Senate, we'll have, we'll just have to do that. But please, um, engage in this because this is a much needed bill for our people, um, particularly for our young black and brown people. So, that, that's my thoughts on that. Like I said, I just want to offer a little encouragement and kind of tell my story about natural hair. Um, and those just were my 
my thoughts and opinions and feelings on it. And so we'll go ahead and take a quick break and we'll go, come right back with the next part of our show, which would be a conversation about the Supreme Court nomination hearing for Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. And Republicans are absolutely losing their minds, y'all. They're losing their minds. And I'm going to discuss all of the things right after this break. Everyone has something to say, a story to tell. We make it easy to share yours. So let's talk. Regardless of your podcast setup, hit record. And from there, whether your podcast reaches 10 people or 10 million, we can help you get heard wherever listeners are. And who knows, maybe even quit your day job. But no matter who hears you, it's about connecting and sharing something from your perspective. It's about having a voice and using it without anything standing in your way. Say it all with Anchor. Help me understand that. Thank you, Senator. I'll make two responses. First, that's not my policy disagreement. I don't know why you've characterized that in that way. Well, wait a minute, I wait a minute. You say, you say right here in the cases, I mean, this is, this is the, what I want to get, I want to make sure that we're talking about the same thing here. This, in the Hawkins case, I don't feel that it's appropriate necessarily to increase the penalty on the basis of your use of a computer or the number of images or prepubescent victims. And you say the same thing in Cooper. Senator, no one case can stand in for my entire record of how I deal with criminal cases or did when I was a district judge. I have law enforcement in my family. I am a mother who has daughters. I've answered this question many times from many senators who've asked me, so I'll stand on what I've already said. So you have nothing to add? Senator, I've answered this question and I'll stand on what I already answered. So, but your answer is what? I mean, refresh my memory. Senator, I've answered this question. I've explained how the guidelines work and I'll stand on my answer. But it's relevant and indeed vital. We understand what the policy disagreement is. That's what I'm trying to get at here. Senator, I've previously explained what the policy disagreement is and I will stand on my answer. So you're not gonna answer my question? No, I've answered your question and my answer is You haven't I've answered my question. I'm sitting here asking you and you're declining to answer. I've explained how uh, the guidelines work. I've explained that um, the guidelines were developed at a time in which the commission of this crime was different than it is today. I've explained that Congress has not uh, intervened to uh, revise or direct the commission around how to deal with the changes in the commission of this crime. And so judges all over the country are grappling with uh, how to apply this guideline under these circumstances. And there's ex an extreme amount of disparity. So the United States Senate Judiciary Committee has begun the hearings for the honorable honorable judge Katanji Brown Jackson. Um in a previous episode I kind of gave you guys her background and talked about the importance of having this black woman on the Supreme Court um and how I'm going to support her and you know because like I said we don't we don't know what 
what she's gonna bring but we do know that we need the representation for black women on the supreme court we have a black man on there and we know where he's what he stood for what he's done blah blah and all that other stuff but it's important that we have a black woman on there because black women are also important to the black the black experience and they offer an, a perspective for black women and so we need a black woman on there to be able to be there from that perspective um i told y'all how it's gonna go down I told you how it's gonna go down now so far in this episode we've been pretty modest um we've been refrained a little bit but y'all know i'm about to go bring the funk i'm about to bring the funk i'm about to bring it now because if you've been tuned in if you have been tuned in to these hearings you know it's been full-on shit show now i've i i work um i work a nine to five job and so during the daytime i'm pretty much busy in at work most of the day and so once i get home i have to watch the highlights so you know all of the you know the clickbait moments or whatever and all of that type of stuff when i get home and Today, as I'm recording this episode, was one of my off days, um, so I had an opportunity to watch the hearing live. And let's just say, I was not pleased. Now I'm gonna go back to when it first, when the when the hearings first started, and kind of talk about some of the things that have happened. It started off on the first day with people like Ted Cruz and Senator. Senator Crybaby. It started off at the beginning of the week with Ted Cruz and Senator Crybaby. Senator Crybaby as Lindsey Graham. That cur that pearl clutching ass Senator. Lindsey Graham. And what has pissed me off with those two in particular is the fact that they want to set their ass up there and have the audacity to try to question this woman in the fashion that they are trying to question this woman. You, you literally had today, in today's hearing, Senator Lindsey Graham setting up there mad and pissy with this lady because she gave him the answer to the question that he was asking. What did he want her to do? The man was literally asking her, y'all. The man was asking her about one of her cases where um, I think she gave the man three months um, and the citizen guidelines provided for um, a much, much stronger um, sentencing and, and as... Um, it's literally one case within hundreds of cases that she's done on, you know, rape and all of these other things when it comes down to that particular issue, um, when it comes down to pornography and, and sexual assault and all those things. Um, so it was only one case out of all, out of the dozens and hundreds of cases that she's tried and she's given up and she's given a verdict and opinion on. And sentence and, and the sentence on. 
and literally they pick they 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 they, they piss me off because literally they have nothing on the lady. This is not a situation like Brett Kavanaugh, where people where women literally came out and talked about him sexual harassing them. This is not like Amy Coney Barrett. It's not like them. This is literally almost. Now I'm gonna say almost. I'm not gonna say completely, because we don't we we don't know if there's something she. I, I personally haven't followed her enough to know if there maybe maybe once or twice or however she may have said something or done something that may be a little problematic. I don't know, but what I do know is that her record and the things that she has done to this point is credible enough for her to be seated on the Supreme Court. In fact, she's more credentialed than the actual damn members that's already on the court. She's more credentialed than some of the people who have been on there before. There have been men on there who don't even have a damn degree. Over the years that over the years that the Supreme Court has been a thing. And so when we're talking about Judge Katandri Brown Jackson, this hearing has been nothing short of an attack on black women. Now they they want to try to make this woman out to be a pedophile. They want to make her out to be a pedophile, y'all. They are literally out here attacking this woman for a case, for a case where she gave the young man three months, and you are literally out here. And there are members of your own party. There are members of the Republican Party who are right now. Right now under investigation, they have been charged. There have been people in the Republican Party and Democratic Party too. I'm not going to absolve any party because there have been people in both the Democratic and Republican Party. Libertarian as well. Nobody's exempt. There have been literal people in politics every, every year, every other year just about who have been arrested for assault or rape, pornography, possessing of child pornography, all of these different things. And for, for them to literally sit up there and attempt to try to attack this woman and accuse this woman of being some type of uh, 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 child pornography, pornography sympathizer, sexual assault sympathizer, a pedophile sympathizer is sickening. This woman does not have a long hit. This is one particular case. One particular case. And they are out here pushing this narrative as if this woman has a plethora of cases. Then we go to people like Josh Hawley. The senator who was just who is still not even just the the one who is still under fire and who is still under investigation right now by the January 6th commission on his involvement in the January 6th insurrection. You literally were involved in events that almost resulted in a coup of the United States government. And you got the audacity to be the, the questioning this black woman on her beliefs and her her thoughts 
and her or, or the things that she's ruled on based on one case. Then you got the Marsha Blackburns. Tennessee, you're not off the hook. You got the Marsha Blackburns. The damn Marsha Blackburn. Last night, Marsha Blackburn had the audacity, the pure unmitigated gall to ask this woman whether or not she could define a woman. She is a woman. How how you going to ask a woman to define what is a woman? See, but what the attempt was, the attempt was to attack trans women. What they wanted her to do was attack trans women. What Senator Marsha Blackburn wanted her to do was to say trans women aren't women. What she wanted her to do was to go on this tirade about trans women. See, they wanted some clickbait for Fox News and QAnon. They wanted to be able to say, oh, well, um, Katanji Brown Jackson is is on our side. She agrees with us about trans women. That's what they wanted to happen. But Judge Brown Jackson didn't give them that. She gave them poise. And she gave them black woman energy. Because, oh my God, y'all, if y'all were tuned in, y'all could have seen and y'all could have saw the facial expressions. I experienced so many of those facial expressions from my aunties, my grandmamas, and my mother, and all of the black church women. Oh my God, it, it was every, she was giving every facial expression out there that, that could possibly state how uncomfortable and how sick of it she was of them damn folks sitting up there questioning her about stuff that she, one, stuff that she ain't had nothing to do with, stuff that she ain't gonna never have nothing to do with sitting on the Supreme Court, and cases where she basically evaluated the facts as they were and gave an opinion that may not be you know, something that everybody agree with, but based on the circumstances and based on the things that she saw in the case, she gave her opinion and sentence based on her discretion. Now, they didn't have the same energy when it came down to Brett Kavanaugh. They didn't have the same energy when it came down to their little buddy, uh, Amy Coney Barrett. They don't have, they didn't, they don't have this energy when it come down to the own people in their party like Matt Gates. They don't have this energy. They only have this energy for the black woman being nominated. And to be clear, she's been before this same committee more than once. So, Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, all of them knew about these same cases, knew about these same things two or three times before when they've confirmed her before. And so it's not nothing new. They only want to bring it up for the clickbaits and for the views and the and the, and the interviews and the, the grifting that they are trying to do when it comes down to the big terms that are coming up, the president election that will be in 2024. See, these are all things that we all know. We all know what it is. People like Marsha Blackburn, she's just trying to get she's just trying to get the support of her buddy Trump. People like Ted Cruz somehow think that the American people would da- would, would dare elect him vice president of the United States. And and you've ran before. Brother man, you ain't it ain't happening. You might as well set chairs down. It ain't happening, brother man. Then you got people like there. You literally got people out there like Josh Holly. Who's young? The younger of them. 
And we know what he's trying to do. He want to be the next Barack Obama of the Republican Party. It ain't happening, brother man. You're lucky if you're not indicted. You're lucky if you're not indicted for your role in the January 6th insurrection. You're lucky if you're not. But see, what it is, is they feel like they're untouchable. See, they feel like the midterm elections are coming up and they might, they may take back the House and they may take back the Senate. That's what they feel. That's exactly what they feel. And they just might. Yeah, they might. You already have some of the more far-right Republicans who are already saying if they take back the House, they're going to impeach Joe Biden. They don't know what they're going to impeach him on, but they're going to impeach Joe Biden. They're going to find some. You already have some of them saying if they take back the Senate, they're going to they they ram through judges. They're going to try to force Joe Biden's hand to ram through conservative judges. They're going to try to force it. And if, and if Joe Biden doesn't want to appoint conservative judges, they won't, they won't appoint, they won't confirm any of them. They'll stall it out. They've already made it clear. It's their way or no way at all. They're already talking about if they take back the Senate and the House, they're going to attempt once more to repeal Obamacare. They're already talking about the laws that they're going to put in place across the country as it relates to voting rights. They're already talking about the laws that they're going to put in place around the country as it relates to LGBTQ rights issues. They're already talking about the things that they're going to do around the country. And so, I challenge everybody that this November, you go out and vote. Especially in places like Georgia. You elected Senator Warnock, you got to do it again. In places like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, you got to get out there and we got to make sure that we elect somebody that represents the people of Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. To the best of their abilities. And not just some trash Republican that just want to go spread conspiracy theories and and tote, the, tote their Bible and make every law about their belief in Christ and all of this other stuff. Where we're in a country where we tout the fact that um that re- state and religion are supposed to be separate, but somehow Republicans feel like their Christian beliefs are more important than some of the things that uh, that are clearly stated in the Constitution. Things that the Supreme Court has ruled on when it relates to abortion and gay marriage. Republicans think that their Christian religious views are more important than the law of the land, which is hypocritical, quite honestly, because they talk about so much how they support the Constitution and they're the Constitution Party and all of that other stuff. And yet somehow um, the Supreme Court has ruled and given and given their opinion on abortion, voting rights, and all these other things, and somehow Republicans just won't accept the Supreme Court's view. But that's the country we live in. 
It's the country we live in and it's things that we know already. It's things that we 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 we've been seeing for decades. We know what's happening right now. Then you have the people out there who say, Well, Robert, the Democratic Party is no better. And I've told you guys in other episodes before, I'm I'm a realistic person. And one thing I've understood is that the Republican Party and the Democratic Party both of them are as bad as they could possibly get. But at the same time, we got to understand the positioning that we're in in America. And the current positioning of our politics is a two-party system. So it's either you're going to support the Republicans or the Democrats. And at the current moment, the Democratic Party is the party that is more aligned when you look at the platforms to issues that are affecting minority people, not just black people. And, and the Democratic Party is also the more easily accessible party when it comes down to changing views. I mean, when we just look at how the party platform has evolved over the last two or three presidential elections. Look at how when Obama was first elected, his campaign was not about, he didn't campaign on LGBTQ issues, but once he got in office and he was pushed on that particular issue, his views changed. You still out here trying to get Republicans to change their views on immigration. I mean, think about that. You have people like Joe Biden. Now, granted, we have been unable currently to get the George Ford Act passed and other bills as it relates to criminal justice reform. But just looking at Joe Biden's platform, some of the things that he campaigned on, and he still has two more, he still has he still has this year, um, next year, and the year after that to get these things passed. So it's not to say let's give up on him. But just to just look at his platform, he's definitely changed from the same Joe Biden he was when that crime bill was passed. Let's be clear about that. And so if we're being honest, the Democratic Party is the closest thing that we can get to a party that embraces black people. Now you have those out there who believe differences and think that we should do, we should form our own party and all these other things and that's fine. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But I want to encourage people to go out and vote. This is the election where we need people to go out and vote. We needed you in 2020, but we really need you in these midterms. Because this is going to be the midterm that will determine the future, seriously. The amount of money, the amount of bills that Joe Biden is trying to push through and trying to get done is being held up by two senators who don't give a damn. All we need is two in the U.S. Senate. And in the House... We just need to keep that that slim majority. We don't even need to extend it. We just need the slimmest majority. We just need to keep it. But as it relates to Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, we're not going to play about her. The Senate needs to confirm her as swiftly as they confirmed Amy Coney Barrett. She needs to be swiftly confirmed the same way all of these other people have swiftly been confirmed. We want 
her to be on the bench before the end of the year. No exceptions. Because all these antics they trying to play, trying to get their little clickbait for the QAnon videos and the political ads when they run for president and all of this other stuff. We don't have time for that. There are serious issues every day that are affecting black people, that are going affecting black and minority people all across this country that are going to the Supreme Court every single day. We don't have time for all this bull job that they trying to play in the Judiciary Committee with all this bullshit on transgender rights and all this other stuff trying to question this woman. Um, Lindsey Graham asked this lady about her religious beliefs. Knowing full damn well that judges are supposed to be impartial. Now, just because the conservative judges they put on there have been impartial, for the most part, the liberal judges don't really discuss what they believe because there are liberal judges on that bench who are conservative, I mean, who, who are Catholic, Protestant. But they don't project their Catholic beliefs in their arguments. They don't project their conservative religious beliefs into their arguments. And that's the problem with the far-right conservative judges. They want it to be about their their conservative Christian religious beliefs. And that's not what they're supposed to be there to do. They're supposed to be there to interpret the Constitution. The Constitution. Though it may not have been originally meant for black people. Women. Gays. They're still supposed to be there to interpret that constitution. And that's on period. And so we we're we gonna do what we need to do. I'm I'm hoping that the Senate go ahead and confirm um Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. I'm looking forward to watching um the rest of these hearings and seeing what the rest of these senators have to say. But like I said, we already know it's a shit show, and I'll be shocked if she even gets one. Um um, Republican voting and 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 I bet not hear no bull jive, no bull crap from Senator Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema. Uh, if they if if Senator Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema holds up this nomination, if they hold up this nomination, they need to be stripped from every committee that they have, and they need to be challenged. They need to be challenged by the parties in their states. And they need to be that we need to be at their we need to be at their offices in full force every single day because there's no reason why Judge Katanji Brown Jackson shouldn't be on that bench. She is well qualified. And if anybody is out there on the Democratic side in particular who's gonna play those games, we don't need to let it fly. And so that's my thoughts and my views on that. Um, we're going to go ahead and take another quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to give an update on Brittany Griner's case. Um, the um, WNBA athlete who was arrested over in Russia. And you know the war that's going on with Ukraine and Russia and different things like that that are already going on. And she's um, pretty much stuck over there um, dealing with that particular case. And there's not been much attention going on but we do have some updates on the case and i'm gonna also um talk about in that segment about um a, another particular topic as it relates to sex work and so we'll be right back after the quick break and you did not get there 
because of some left-wing agenda? He didn't get here because of some dark money groups? You got here how every black woman in America who's gotten anywhere has done. By being, <laughs> like Ginger Rogers said, I did everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards in heels. And, and so I, I'm just sitting here saying, nobody's stealing my joy. Nobody's going to make me angry, especially not people that are called in a conservative magazine demagogic for what they're bringing up that just doesn't hold water. I'm not going to let my joy be stolen because I know you and I, we appreciate something that we get that a lot of my colleagues don't. I know Tim Scott does. When I first came to this place, I was the fourth black person ever popularly elected to the United States Senate. And I still remember a lot of mixed people, white folks, black folks work here. But at night, when people are in line to come in to clean this place, the, the, the percentage of minorities shift a lot. And so I'm walking here, first week I'm here, and somebody who's been here for decades doing the urgent work of the Senate, but it's the unglamorous work that goes on no matter who's in offices, the guy comes up to me, all he wants to say, I can tell is, I'm so happy you're here. But he comes up and he can't get the words out. And this man, my elder, starts crying. And I, I just hugged him. And he just kept telling me, it is so good to see you here. It's so good to see you here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I, I love my brother, Tim Scott. He could write a dissertation on our disagreements. He gave the best speech on race. I wish I could have given as good of a speech but talking to the challenges and indignities that are still faced. And you're here. I was in the White House with my Democratic colleagues, and I'm again, I'm in my joy. I can't help it. <laughs> and, and, and the president's asking our advice, who should we nominate or whatever. And I look at Kamala, and we have a knowing glance, which we've had for years, when she and I used to sit on this end of this committee at times. And then I try to get out to the president what it means what it means. And I want to tell you when I look at you, this is why I get emotional. I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're a person that is so much more than your race and gender. You're a Christian, you're a mom, you're, you're, you're an intellect, you love books. But for me, I'm sorry. I, I, it's hard for me not to look at you and not see my mom, not to see my my cousins, one of them who had to come here and sit behind you. She had to be, she had to have your back. I see my ancestors and yours. Nobody's going to steal the joy of that woman in the street or the calls that I'm getting or the texts. Nobody's going to steal that joy. You have earned this spot. You are worthy. You are a great American. An official from the United States Embassy in Moscow, Russia, um, has finally been able, to, some some officials have finally been able to uh, locate and go and see Brittany Griner. And they are reporting that she is in reasonably good condition. Um, for those of you who, are, who don't know or who... Um, are unaware or just don't know the facts of it. Um, Brittany Griner was arrested um, 
trying to board a plane um, in the airport or whatever, boarding a plane, uh, getting ready to board a plane, going through the checkpoints and different things. And apparently in Russia, they have laws on having um, vape cartridges and different things like that and all of that. And so they arrested her on on, on charges um, of saying that she was smuggling drugs um, and all of that stuff. Um, and pretty much they, that's why they arrested her. Um, the law, of course, um, being that Russia is ran by dictator Putin, um, um, pretty much, um, you, you, that's just the laws over there and in Russia, you know, um, but she's, she was arrested. Um, little, little coverage has been given on it. Um, um, it, it's starting to pick up a little bit now that a lot of backlash is coming from a lot of different people about her not, you know, about a not enough attention being given to her particular case. Um, and like I said in the first episode, when I did discuss this, I felt like a lot of the attention wasn't being given to her because she's black and she's queer. Um, black LGBTQ queer pe- queer folk don't all, we most oftentimes are always given the short end of the stick when it comes down to getting coverage and different things like that as it relates to us in these particular instances and these particular incidents um because we all know if she was a straight white man um she would definitely be home by now if she was a straight white woman she would definitely be home by now but since she's a black queer woman she is stuck over there and and america's not going to go to bat for her regardless if there's a war going on in ukraine or not and so that's just how America has worked over the years. And that's just how America will continue to work. And it's something that we all know at this point. Um, but that's just an update on her case. And I will say this. I wish that a lot of these mainstream media outlets and, and newspapers and different things like that would fix their coverage on this particular issue with the U.S. Embassy um, officials being able to finally go find her and different things like that because the reporting is mo- mostly centered around her being in good condition and I would just like to make it clear that nobody that is in jail is in good condition. They may look like they good but mental health wise nobody that is in jail in any any country is in good condition. So I'm um, as someone who believes in faith, I want my faith believers to say a prayer for Brittany Griner and her family tonight is um, today and tonight or whenever you say your prayers, um, say a prayer for her and her family that um, she is OK mentally and that eventually she is brought home safely and that the officials in the WNBA and all around the country um make sure that the women who are playing in these sports are getting the money that they deserve and that they don't have to go across the world to be able to make the money that they deserve and so they won't end up in situations like Brittany Griner. I'm going to end today's show with um, a hot topic and the I'm going to start ending the shows discussing a hot topic um, and these are topics that um, I find off of Twitter um, along the conversations and the threads that I see on Twitter. And it, on each episode, I'm going to start having these discussions just to share my views on different topics that are on the social medias, just to kind of engage my feelings and my thoughts on them. And we can engage more about these topics on Twitter um, 
I'll be definitely posting about them. You just share your thoughts with me. So this particular conversation is going to be centered around a tweet that I saw on Twitter. And I'm going to read the tweet to you guys. It says, and the tweet is from, I'm going to read the person that is from to give him his shout out. The tweet is from West Side Action, and that's his name. And it says, The Blessed Digital is his at. So his at is The Blessed Digital, and his name is West Side Action. And pretty much he posted a post and said sex work needs to be for 25-year-olds and up if y'all really care about age gaps and predatory behavior. And I'm going to read my comment on it, and I'm going to delve a little bit more into why I have this particular viewpoint. It says... I I posted that men always want to be in a position to regulate something based on their own opinion. Many sex workers go into that work because they are forced to based on their life circumstances. If the worker is adult and they are grown, which is in most places over the age of 18, they have the right to do that work. So mind your damn business. Then I, I I I literally outlined three reasons why most uh, or a, a good amount of people go into sex work. Young trans girls and young LGBTQ men go into sex work to get out of their parents' homes because they have been put out or they have been shunned by their families for being who they are. And so they have to go out and they have to take care of themselves. And oftentimes they end up homeless and sex work is the only thing that they can do to bring in some money. You also have college students who can't afford their tuitions, their room. They can't afford board. They can't afford to go to the cafeteria every day and eat food because they can't afford to pay for it. And so they have OnlyFans accounts. They have Twitters and private snaps and all of this other stuff where they have to do sell their bodies and, and sell images and different things of their bodies just to make a little coin so they can be able to afford the tuition. They can be able to afford the, the food and the dorms and, and the apartments and things. Put gas in their car because the gas prices are high right now. Then, you're t- then you have to consider the young single mothers. The mothers who may have gotten pregnant at age 16, the mothers who may have gotten pregnant at age 17, 18, and ended up having to be a single mother because the father is absent. And so they they, they can't take care of their child and also go work at a at a job or be able to attend school because they can't be they don't have the financial resources. And so they have to go into sex work to be able to make the finances that they need to be able to take care of their children, be able to send their children to daycare, to be able to pay for somebody to babysit their child. You li- these are literally experiences that people ex- experience every single day. And so then I discussed, and some, one of the things I said was, those are just some of the reasons. Because there are other reasons. There are other reasons. Sometimes people just fall on hard times. Sometimes people just lose their job and they, they fall into an a, a issue of um, economic hardship and they just have to do it. 
then you also have people who are in music business and other other career paths where they fall short and they they have to do something to make finances. And let's be clear, the minimum wages in America is 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 under eight dollars. The federal minimum wage is still seven seven twenty five. I think seven, if I'm not mistaken, seven twenty five, and that's something I'll correct if I'm wrong. But the minimum wage is not is way below what it should be, and some states are still paying people below minimum, you know, the good, the below livable wage. And so, for the people out there who may say, "Well, oh, they can go work at a factory. Oh, they can go find a job at a fast food restaurant and and do what? That money is not going to support them, and they'll still end up having to go do the sex work. And so. What I said is, and my viewpoint on it, is why don't we focus more on trying to alleviate and fix those particular issues than we would trying to regulate and take away the primary source of income for those sex workers. Because when you look at it, these young people are 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25-year-olds who are literally using these actions as their primary income. And like I said, for the people who said, well, oh, they can go work at McDonald's, they're not going to bring in enough money to support their college tuition at McDonald's. Then you have the people who said, well, oh, McDonald's has the scholarship programs and all these other things. Do you know there are stipulations to that? I worked at a McDonald's before. Do you know that there's a certain amount of time you actually have to work there at the job before you can even apply to these particular programs? Like, it's not just as simple as people think that it is. And you never know the experience until you have been in it. I've been in the experience before. If you go to my website and you read my bio on my website, you'll see that there was a point in my life where I lived in Memphis. And then at the end of the bio, I tell you about how after a few months, I decided to return home to the Mississippi Delta. I didn't return home back to the Mississippi Delta because I wanted to return back home to the Mississippi Delta. It was because I had no choice. I had gotten myself into an issue where I had lost my job. Well, I really didn't lose my job. I worked for a program that was temporary. Um, it was a summer program. And after the summer program was over, I pretty much couldn't find a job after that. Um, and pretty much I ended up um, ended up in a situation where I couldn't afford to pay my bills. And I ended up pretty much homeless. I ended up staying at a friend girl's house where I slept on the floor for about on the floor of her apartment, of her a duplex apartment for about two or three months and eventually you know after not being able to find a job and things it just became a stress on her and so I ended up having to move back home with my parents but imagine people who don't have supportive parents who don't have parents who are more now at this point I was an adult and my me and my parents were on better terms so I was able to come back home but imagine getting into a situation and imagine being at a point in your life where you don't have parents that may not be as open as my parents are with me now. And we're able to say, come on home. Imagine. 
And there are people who out there who get into these particular situations. There are people who are out there who get into these situations and they don't have parents at all. Their parents may have died. Their parents may have given them up for adoption. They may not know their father. Or they may not know their mother. They may not know their family members enough to be able to go out and say, well, I'm going to go home and live with my aunt or my grandmother or something like that. And so it's very simple-minded of people to assume that, well, we can just say, well, let's just change the age group. Because now we're regulating these people. And they and a lot of and the re, and and I'm not giving this this disposition, I'm not giving this discussion, I'm not giving this this particular opinion because I necessarily agree with sex work. Let me make that clear. Because me personally, I would not go out and you know, have sex with people and stuff like that for money. But I understand the reasoning that these people, these other people have to do it. So I don't chastise them. I don't judge them because I understand that they have, most of the time, these people are in sex work because they have to be. They are forced to be because of the circumstances that they are in and relates to their life. And so I have to, as a person who care about people, and who like to help people and who like to understand people, I have to respect that and not not necessarily push my view and my opinion on sex work onto them because I'm not in their situation. Because when I look at my situation, had I done, had I been in Memphis when I lived in Memphis and I got into that particular situation, had I not had family members, had I not had close friends who were willing to say, I got you. I'm going to help you out. I would have probably ended up doing sex work. Who knows? Nobody knows until they are in the experience themselves. And so the, 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 the thought of judging these people, the thought of regulating what they can and cannot do is, is an issue for me. It's the same thing for me when it comes down to things like marijuana. Marijuana isn't killing nobody. Now, I, I agree, you know, we might want to regulate marijuana to the point that we do when we come when it comes down to drinking and driving. Of course, you know, we might want to regulate it and say, okay, we don't want you to be high and drive. But when it comes down to people actually just having it, I don't understand. These laws were put in place to regulate people and it ended up causing mass incarceration in the black community. So many black fathers and black women are not in the household of black children because they locked up in jail for weed. And so I feel like that's the same road that we would be heading down if we were to all of a sudden start deciding now we want to regulate sex work. Now we want to regulate what age you can participate in sex work. Now we want to regulate how much money you can make in sex work. Now we want to regulate what platforms you can do sex work on. You you can't be on Twitter doing sex work. You can't if you do it on OnlyFans. We got to make sure you you document that money down on your taxes. We we trying to we want to regulate these people, and this is their only. They are already down. We are knocking people while they are all ready down and that is something that i can't get with 
And that's the problem that I have with this particular argument that we should regulate the age. Because if they're adults and they can pay their own bills, if they 18, they can go get their own apartment, they can have credit. We shouldn't be having no opinion on what they're doing with their bodies. The same way when you turn 18, you are no longer relegated to child sexual assault laws or child pornography laws and all of these things. It's the same way you should be legally allowed to participate in sex work if that is the circumstance that you have gotten into and if it is the resort that you have to resort to. And I have no problem with that because people have to do what they got to do. They shouldn't have to do what they have to do, but they have to do it because they have to do it. And if we want to make, if we really want to make changes, if we really want to help these people, the best way to do that is to address the issues that, like I said, cause them to do it in the first place. All right, so that's all we have on today's episode of the Undisputed Politics with Robert Wilson Jr. Once again, I ask that if you guys have different things you would like to discuss, any topics you would like to discuss, um, please share them with me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the Undisputed Politics. Um, you can also shoot me a DM, a message. I'm always willing to have these discussions and um and just share my views and hear your views and hear your thoughts on it so please feel free to hit me up anytime to kind of discuss these topics that we're discussing on each episode thank you again for tuning in please continue to share the podcast and streaming the podcast on all major streaming platforms apple google and spotify platforms and also all of the major streaming podcast platforms thank you for listening to this episode again today and we're out